CEE Central Europe Explained An IDM podcast series powered by Erste Group Episode 38 Two Front War The Fight for Pride in the Nation in Ukraine The war in Ukraine is often framed as a struggle over Ukrainians belonging to either the East or the West. Given this, it becomes clear why especially LGBTQIA plus activists stress Ukraine's commitment to so-called Western values. They include human rights and in particular the acceptance of the queer community. Indeed, Ukraine has created a more favorable environment for trans people in recent years. Although far from perfect, especially legal and medical steps of gender transition were facilitated. On the day when Russia started its full-scale invasion of Ukraine, President Vladimir Putin addressed the public in a speech. While referring to alleged NATO expansions attempting to justify Russia's attacks on Ukraine, Putin mentions that the West would threaten Russia's traditional values with, quote, attitudes that are directly leading to degradation and degeneration because they are contrary to human nature, end quote. By saying this, Putin targeted the LGBTQIA community. Traditional values, that is, in the ideas of the Kremlin, patriotism, respect for authority, spirituality, and sticking to heteronormative and patriarchal structures. They have become one of the dominant narratives of Russian culture and politics ever since Putin ended his third presidential term in 2012. Emil Edinburgh, Associate Professor for Gender Studies at Stockholm University, analyzed the speech and found that Russia's security policies cannot be understood without the politics of gender and sexuality. He states that the Kremlin constructed homophobia's geopolitics, and the war in Ukraine is the continuation of this politics by other means. The atrocious war that raged in Ukraine for more than four months now, and for eight years in eastern Ukraine, has altered the situation for queer Ukrainians tremendously for the worse. Besides the general struggle for safety, survival, and sovereignty, trans people are confronted with even more complex issues. Whereas millions of Ukrainians fled the country in the past few months, NGOs like Transgender Europe report trans women would occasionally encounter difficulties leaving Ukraine. Some of them have not yet matched their papers to the current gender, and as males on the paper, Martial law would require them to stay in the country. Similar problems regarding their papers would hinder trans people from border crossings, as authorities of neighboring countries cannot properly identify them. Once they overcome these challenges or decide to stay in Ukraine, trans people might have limited access to respective medical treatments. Hormone therapy and gender confirmation surgery are more strictly regulated in most European countries, but also within Ukraine, they're harder to access given the current circumstances. What are the realities for trans people in the war? Do they encounter discrimination during their flight or fight? And how has queer activist work changed within Ukraine? I will discuss these and more questions with our guest Edward Rees. They are a queer activist from Ukraine and working as a project assistant for Kyiv Pride. Edward shares their own experiences of leaving Ukraine their opinions about gendered narratives of war, and explain the importance of searching for the queer communities in a new environment.
Welcome to CEE, Central Europe Explained. My name is Melanie Yandel, Assistant Editor at the IDM, and with me today is Edward Rees. Hello, Edward, and thank you for joining us today. Hi, happy to be here. Edward, you have yourself experienced the beginning of the Russian invasion as a queer person. Shortly after the recent escalation in February, you left Ukraine. Right now, you're in Copenhagen. Can you tell us about your personal experiences in your last days in Kiev and your journey to Denmark? Yeah, in fact, uh, I didn't want to leave Ukraine, but I saw that uh, this invasion would be long. And I had my top surgery planned uh, for March and it had to be in Ukraine, but definitely it couldn't happen. So I decided to leave uh, to save my physical and mental health to do the surgery that I was waiting for like my whole life. Plus I was preparing for this surgery for two years. So I decided to go and it was quite a long trip from Kiev to Copenhagen. Uh, first, uh, I uh, had to spend the night in the subway because I couldn't uh, get to the train station before curfew. So it was uh, really cold and totally unpleasant night. And then I was going to Lviv by bus, and then I got from Lviv to Poland. Then I spent two nights in Poland in the flat of one of the Polish LGBTQ activists. She hosted me. And uh, then I was going by car from Poland to Copenhagen with uh, volunteers from Denmark uh, to gay men who actually offered help for anyone who is going from Ukraine to Denmark. Thank you for um, sharing this experience and these personal impressions with us. I am now referring to our latest podcast episode, which dealt with gender in the framework of nationalism. We discovered in that episode that especially war and conflict are packed with narratives about masculine protection and feminine vulnerability. Do you see these narratives play out in the Russian-Ukrainian conflict? Well, in fact, I don't. The thing is that right now, all Ukrainians, queer Ukrainians, straight Ukrainians, we all have one main identity as Ukrainians. Because the war between Russia and Ukraine lasts from 2014, and the conflict between Russia and Ukraine lasts for around uh, three or four centuries. And Russia wants to destroy Ukraine, destroy Ukrainian nation. And uh, now it's only the highest point of this, I guess, because before they didn't bomb the whole country, and now they do. So I don't think that now it's time to talk about patriarchy or gender or something like this, because all Ukrainians are fighting. Queer Ukrainians are fighting. Women are fighting. So uh, we don't have this narrative. We all take arms and we all fight. And those who can't take arms because of their health, for example, or something like this, they fight on the information front. They go volunteering, helping the soldiers. Uh, they are creating shelters for displaced people and many other things. So I would like you to uh, like stop looking for this kind of narrative in uh, Russian-Ukrainian war uh, because it's not, uh, it's not the conflict of uh, men or something like this. It's um, one nation destroying other nation. And uh, we have to be nationalists to survive because Russia wants to destroy Ukraine. It's very simple. 
in some international media articles, trans women are portrayed as having difficulty leaving Ukraine. Many have not adapted their documents to the current gender, so they are officially perceived as male and therefore not allowed to leave the country under martial law. It obliges men in the age of 18 to 60 to serve in the military. Have you heard of any such incidents? Yeah, first, the law, the martial law in Ukraine doesn't oblige men to serve in the military. Uh, it's the law which uh, says that a person who can serve has to stay in the country because if something happens, they will be able to serve, but they're not obliged. And the second thing about trans women, uh, yeah, there are some stories, but actually um, international media that you are talking about are rolling over and over two or three stories. So in fact, I know great amount of trans women personally who were able to leave even having male documents. I know great amount of trans women who were able to leave having female documents. And um, I'd like to say that in Ukraine, uh, the process of transition and getting legal documents are much more simple than in many European countries. And we have many trans people who change their documents. And we have many people who get through the transition without any problems. I would change my documents to mail if I had time to do this because I didn't finish my transition. Ukrainian LGBT organizations are asking trans women to care about themselves and to change their documents if they are trans women and they need female documents because they have an opportunity and they have all steps to do it. I don't know why they don't, but they have all the opportunities to complete the transition and to do everything is required. So when we are talking about those media stories about trans women, I would say that it's several individuals, two or three, and I would ask anyone from the media who is listening to this, stop spreading this information because it doesn't show the real situation with trans people in Ukraine. What about non-binary people or people who have no use for the categories female and male, who identify as queer but don't want to actually change their documents? Do you see any difficulties for these people in the current conflict? I am non-binary. <laughs> so unfortunately, Ukraine doesn't legally recognize non-binary people, but uh, we will be working on it after the victory. Uh, so I know non-binary people who are in the army and uh, they are fighting with their current documents that they have. As I said, it's not important who you are. We are all Ukrainians and we all want to stop Russia once and for all. So it's, it's not important. And looking at the story of my friend Antonina, who is non-binary and who is in the army, uh, she doesn't see any problems with fellow soldiers and like, people accept her, everything is okay. Because we all understand that transphobia, queerphobia, homophobia is Russian narratives. And we want to stop Russia and we don't want to continue with those narratives as well. You just mentioned transphobic and homophobic tendencies among Russian soldiers. And indeed, queer people are in increased danger of assault during the war. 
In the East Block of the University of Vienna, it is reported that not only Russian soldiers play out their trends in homophobic violence, but they also heard of single cases where right Ukrainian paramilitary groups do so. So how would you say, where can queer Ukrainians who might not have the chance to leave the country currently or who don't want to leave the country seek protection within Ukraine? I wouldn't say that those groups that you mentioned are paramilitary. They are just homophobic and transphobic. And most of those groups are some kind of connected to Russia. For example, they are posting in Russian in their resources, not in Ukrainian. So I would say that uh, definitely there is still homophobia and transphobia in Ukraine. And LGBTQ organizations are definitely collecting all the information about any assaults to queer people that is still happening in Ukraine. And uh, we are working on it. And uh, recently, Cave Pride had a big um, round table with Cave uh, authorities and police to discuss how do we work with it. And uh, after the victory, we will be continuing working with the law 5488, which is anti-hate crime law, which had to be put on the voting in March. So it's also postponed. And we have uh, lawyers, we have uh, contacts with the police. So if anyone gets any persecution, like any problems with homophobia or transphobia in the streets of Ukrainian cities, uh, we definitely will solve it. And not only Cave Pride, but all other LGBTQ organizations in different cities, we are all working on this issue. And if a person just sends us a message, we will do something with it. You have now mentioned your work at Kiev Pride, and I actually wanted to ask you, how has the work at Kiev Pride changed since the latest escalation in the Russian-Ukrainian conflict? And maybe also to dig a bit deeper here, are you still overwatching these violations and homophobic incidents against queer people currently in the war? As I said earlier, the main thing now is to win this war and to stop Russia. So we are definitely working with uh, any cases of homophobia or any hate violence, but it's not the main thing now. The main thing now is that the Ukrainians are dying and Ukrainians are fighting in the war. And it's not a conflict, it's a war. And I would really like everyone to remember it and stop calling it a conflict. Because a conflict, it's a story where there are two sides. In our war, there are no two sides. It's Russia who wants to take over Ukraine and destroy Ukrainian nation. So uh, Kiev Pride, definitely what we do has shifted. And before that, before this escalation, Kiev Pride was more focused on... Um, informational work on different things, working with businesses, working with politicians, advocating laws, and many other things. But now, uh, we definitely switched more to services because people need services now. And we have created a shelter in Kyiv for people who lost their homes or who need some place to stay moving from uh, occupied territories to Western territories or to other countries. And uh, people are living in this shelter for two weeks and then they can prolong if they need to or they move further. Also, we get 
great amount of requests to different national media, and we're working on this a lot. And uh, definitely we're working on the cases that I described, like any homophobia, transphobia happening in Kyiv or in other Ukrainian cities, we are going through this. And uh, we are planning the joint pride with Warsaw because uh, this year we have a 10th anniversary of Equality March, Pride March in Kyiv, and we can't do it in Kyiv. So we talked to Warsaw Pride because Poland is the country which has the most of Ukrainian refugees. And uh, we are doing joint pride together, marching together for peace with Warsaw Pride, which would be uh, at the end of this week. And uh, this week also will have different events in Warsaw, uh, roundtables, talks with Cave Pride team. And also we are working on different other prides. For example, last weekend, uh, I made a speech at Helsingborg Pride in Sweden, and I will be going to Malmö Pride, and I will be going to Frankfurt, Germany. So it's uh, very important now to continue talking about Ukraine in the queer spaces, in other spaces. So we are doing this as well. Thank you. Just to put this in context for our listeners, we are now in the week of the 20th to 26th um, June. You mentioned people who left Ukraine, and indeed it was millions of Ukrainians who have left Ukraine during this war. Many of them have also returned. But I was wondering if Kiev Pride is also cooperating with LGBTQIA plus organizations outside of Ukraine. Are they reporting any specific challenges for queer Ukrainian refugees in their new surroundings? Definitely there are issues because uh, people are leaving their own country and getting to other countries and it's hard to find the community sometimes and it's hard to find medicine for trans people or something like this. So we are in contact with uh, many different uh, LGBTQ organizations uh, through all over the world and uh, actually many of them helping Kiev Pride with donations and uh, hosting Ukrainian refugees, and they provide great amount of help. And definitely all the prides in Europe or most of the prides in Europe this year are in some kind uh, helping Ukraine and spreading the information and marching for Ukraine. And we are really thankful to them. For example, also like last week, there was Riga Pride and many others. As for the challenges, I would say that we get different uh, stories. And uh, it's the same challenges that uh, any other refugee would face. It's connected to transness, for example. We don't get many reports about uh, some kind of uh, homophobia in other countries because people in uh, other countries which uh, host Ukrainian refugees, they understand that those people are refugees first and then they're trans or gay or something. So I don't think that there is like some extreme or extended homophobia or transphobia to Ukrainians, which problem can be. And it's the problem that I actually saw personally as a trans person. I would say it's the hard processes of transition in different countries. For example, in Denmark, where I am now, you can't uh, have uh, HRT, hormone replacement therapy, without different procedures. And the same or kind of the same is in Sweden. So I couldn't continue my HRT here because I can't get the hormones because I don't have this process. And uh, there are many stories like this in different countries of Europe. 
because uh, we saw, and it was really shocking for me, that Ukrainian transition process is much more fast and much more easy than in many European countries. And when trans people are coming as displaced people, as refugees to European countries, they face this problem. Because in Ukraine, they could get their hormones easily, and here they can't. And they have to look for some ways to get it or contact Ukrainian doctors and everything like this. So I think that this refugee crisis, which is in Europe right now, I hope that it also will help some of the European countries to think more about their attitude to trans people. Because with a great amount of, I would say, systemic state transphobia, not to Ukrainians, but to trans people as a whole in different countries of Europe. What would you tell affected people who are in this position that they don't have any access to hormone therapy at the moment? Are there any ways they can overcome these issues? Have you found a way to actually get this treatment? Uh, no, I didn't find this way. And I don't think that I can speak about it because in Denmark, I didn't find any legal way to do it. So I know that a person can go to local LGBTQ organizations or trans organizations and ask for help because I was offered help here by trans people in Denmark, in Copenhagen. I guess that uh, you have to talk to the community, not to the state because state is not helpful in many moments. But first you have to talk to the community, to trans community, and maybe you will find the way But uh, we definitely have to move this talk, move this issue to the state of many European countries. I will have a talk about it at Malmö Pride with the Swedish activists and Swedish people. And I really hope that Europeans will listen to it and that something will be changed. But now it's just uh, mutual help uh, from trans people to trans people. So... Look for the community, look for the collectives, look for uh, trans people in your region. Uh, try to go to the organizations that you can find just Googling online your city, your country. That's what people do, as I know, who are living in um, Central Europe, in Eastern Europe and in Western Europe, as I am as well. To approach it from the other way around, um... Can you tell our listeners how they can support queer Ukrainian refugees if they get in touch with them? Uh, well, it's actually the same. So if you uh, know queer Ukrainian refugees in your region, in your city, just help them integrate, help them find the community, uh, help them find someone to talk to, to go to any events or something like this. Because uh, when a queer person uh, leaves the country, They not only leave their homes, families, or friends, they also leave the community that they had because we all gather in different groups by our gender identity or uh, sexual identity. So I would like to ask LGBTQ people from other countries to make friends with Ukrainian queers uh, to help them uh, find the community, to help them express themselves, to help them make some art or something. Because it's really important uh, when you don't feel alone 
in uh, another country. And many queer people are actually uh, traveling to becoming refugees uh, with their families. And their families can be transphobic and homophobic. And uh, they need to find someone who will support them. So I guess it's the main thing. And uh, if you have any funds or something, you can donate to Cave Pride and you will be helping. This way you will be helping queer people who are staying in Ukraine. Thank you, Edward, for these insights. And also thank you for sharing your personal story. At the end of our podcast, we always invite our guests to recommend a piece of art or literature dealing with the contents we have just discussed. What would you like to recommend to our listeners? Well, I don't think that I can name a particular piece of art or literature because uh, I guess uh, many things will be written or created after the victory. But I would really like everyone to watch the music video for this year's Eurovision winner from Ukraine, Stefania Kalush Orchestra. Because this music video actually shows the real situation in Ukraine and it shows women in the army and women in the war. And uh, I would say that it's really important to listen to Ukrainian voices and to read and watch Ukrainian media, which are very often in English. Watch Ukrainian bloggers in TikTok, for example, who are talking about the war. Because international media, as you know, can change many things and they don't understand many things. There is a channel and a website which is called Ukraine Now, which gives many information in English about Ukraine. So if you want to listen to know something about Ukraine, please watch, listen, read. Ukrainian media, Ukrainian bloggers, and Ukrainian artists. Thank you for these recommendations. We will provide the links in our description. After all, I want to say thank you, Edward, for joining us today. I hope you have a lot of success with the upcoming Prides. Thank you for having me, and I'm happy that we have this opportunity to talk about Ukraine. So you enjoyed this podcast? Then tune into another CEE episode and subscribe to the IDM podcast series on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Acast, or elsewhere you get your podcast. And also have a look at the rest of our work on our website www.idm.at for any feedback or podcast collaboration feel free to contact me at e.hontuberry at idm.at. The email is in the description below. This was CEE, Central Europe Explained, a podcast series produced by the Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe, powered by Group, with the ongoing participation of Daniela Paiden, Marvin Natalik, Daniel Martinek, and Sebastian Schaeffer. Production and editing, Emma Hunterberry. Proofreading, Jack Gill. IDM Podcast. Institut für den Donauraum und Mitteleuropa. Institute for the Danube Region and Central Europe. European Perspectives. Regional Actions. Cooperation and Expertise since 1953.